Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Romans, chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of, the, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. This is a reading of God's word. What we've begun in the past week and going forward in the next several weeks is what we're saying is, I guess we can call this Ministry Sundays. One of the reasons we're doing this is actually it's in a response to the survey that we did a while back. It took a while to prepare for it, but nevertheless, it's here. And so every Sunday, we're dedicating a Sunday to a particular committee or ministry that we've been doing in the church. One of the reasons we're doing this is because one of the issues in the survey was that some of us are not sure what the other committees are doing. Uh, some of us are not sure what, what, who's on the committee. Some of us are not sure what it's about. Some of us are not sure maybe uh, why we have it. And, or some of us think we, may, we might not do this or why not do that better. Um, and so uh, we want to keep the church informed. I mean, we're not just doing one Sunday and then never talk about it again, but there will be a continual, uh, I guess, updating on what committees are doing. Um, participation that's requested, as well as any needs or help that the church um, could, could ask for. Because we do want to um, do better in all the things that we do, not just uh, for you, but for the church, and, and again, for the glory of God. And so it's a process that we're working through in the next weeks. Um, that's what you'll be seeing. And so today, uh, we have the privilege of talking about the welcoming committee, right? Um, I don't know if you know who's on the welcoming committee, um, but you know, if you come in and you see that person at the front of the door, um, that person is part of the welcoming committee. And you might think, oh, well, they had the easiest job in the church, right? Because all they have to do is stand there, hand out you know, some information, greet people, newcomers, and, and that's it. What an easy job. Let me tell you something, it's not easy. Out of all the committees in our church, this committee has the most to prepare for every Sunday. Every Sunday, there's things that they've got to get ready, um, things that they need to get on top of. And not only that, I will say that, well, I won't say any more, but let me, let me uh, continue forward. But anyways, so in light of that, this sermon is really about welcoming. It's not going to be long. Uh, it's something maybe you are aware of already. But did you know every Sunday service, we have a part of our service, what we call the welcoming. And we read this passage, or we see this passage, every Sunday in Romans chapter 15, and we always talk about it. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Sometimes we think that in order for a church to grow or thrive or rejuvenate, we need to introduce something different, you know, something more maybe spectacular, something that maybe a few gifted, creative people and do in order to sort of inject life into a church. And maybe that might be true sometimes. 
But you'd be surprised, it's my conviction and my understanding, my experience, that a lot of times it's simply just being faithful, not just to the big things in the church, but to the basic things in the church. Sometimes it's the littlest things in the church, the simplest things, right, that can build, that can make a difference in any church. And today, as we look at through the eyes of Paul, what we see here in Paul's passage is that one of the, is one of the simplest things that all of us can do, all of us can do, and learn to do, that encourages and blesses the church, and that is to be welcoming, to be welcoming. The book of Romans is all about the church. It's written to a church in Rome, and it's a church with people who weren't just Jewish, but they were also non-Jewish. It was a church with people who had been religious for a very long time, and people who were very new to the religion. Okay? It was a church filled with diversity, not just ethnically, but culturally, personality-wise, sensibilities, maybe even lifestyles. And so as you might imagine, there were issues in this church because of those differences. There were disagreements, there were conflicts, there were judgments going on, there were opinions about what's right and what's wrong, what's better or what's not, what's good or what's bad. And so the Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter, had some concern for this church in Rome, because after all, he's all about the church. He was a church man, and he cared about this church, and particularly, he cared about its unity, its community, and its fellowship. And one of the things that he tells this church, in the midst of many of its differences and struggles, in order to maintain the church, in order to sustain it, in order to grow it in its fellowship, to deepen its community, to secure its unity, the very first thing in Romans 15, verse 1, what does he say? He says this, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. This is the first thing he says in chapter 15. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. This is a complete 180 degrees from what our contemporary culture does when we're looking for a church. When we look for a church, what do we do? What am I going to get out of this, right? We have a very consumeristic approach. What does this do for me? What does this church offer me. And I'm not saying that's a wrong question to ask, but somewhere along the line, Paul is saying that a mature and growing church is going to be filled with people who are asking, how can I please not myself, but my neighbor for this person's good and to build him up? And he's a realist. You go to any community, not even church, not even religious, any group, any community, even family, you know one point or another there will be differences. There will be conflicts. There will be disagreements of some sort. And so he's very clear. He knows that's going to happen in any church, especially in the church of Rome. And so he says, we have an obligation to what? Bear with the failings of the weak. Okay? In other words, we bear... Sometimes we bear with one. Let me, let me just tell you something. 
If you are looking for a church where you're going to look for a community where you think you're going to love everybody and they're all going to love you and everything is going to be the best and you're going to make more friends in the church and everything's going to be wonderful and your fellowship is going to be great, you are going to be let down so quickly. Because if you've got one sinner coming together with another sinner, guess what happens? More sin eventually. More sin, more weakness, more, more letdowns, more frustrations. Paul knows this, and so he says it's our obligation there not only just to engage and be passionate and love the community, but to bear, to bear with the failings, the disappointments, the frustrations of the community as well. You know what bear means, right? To carry a weight not always easy. It weighs you down. You're not motivated all the time, but you bear with it because you know that comes with the territory. That's what it is. Okay? This is the big picture. Not to please ourselves, but what's the focus? On our neighbor. Right? How do I do that? How do I begin to do that? And I think Paul gives the church and us a bunch of ways that the church could do this. But he gives us just one simple, very, very practical way, and that's in verse 7. So he says this, I want you to be a good church, and then be a good church. You've got to bear with the failings of other people. You know that's going to be a reality, but I want you to come, not just asking what you're going to get out of this, but what you can give to others, right? And one of the ways you can do this, one of the ways we can all start, verse 7, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Let me ask you a question for those of us who have been in the church for a long time. Do you care about your church? Do you care about its unity? Do you care about its community? Do you care about the fellowship? Do you want to bear with the failings and shortcomings of others? Do you want to build up or encourage others? You can start here, verse 7. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. This is why we have this welcoming part in our service. It's not just there just to stretch, okay? It's not, a, it's not just a break. It's not just a greeting time. It's a time to really welcome. It's time to really welcome. This is what the welcoming committee does, but this is what we all do even in our service. In our passage, I don't think Paul just put it here because it's just the introduction to everything. Welcoming, I think for him, is so important. Not just for members, but also for visitors as well. Think about it, right? Put yourself in the shoes of a visitor. I know for some of us that's been a long time. But try. What's the first impression? Where will your first impression of the church come from? Where would it come from? I mean, if you, if you hadn't heard a sermon yet, if you don't have any friends in this group, if you knew nothing about this church, where would your first impression of this church come from? Chances are it's not going to be the pastor, okay? It's going to be one of you. It's going to be one of you. Now, I know we have a welcoming committee, a wonderful welcoming committee, right? It's an important ministry because we need delegated people to be proactive in welcoming. And by the way, I'm just going to say this honestly. Out of all the committees, the welcoming committee is probably made up of the most gifted, most talented, the most uh, convicted, strongest people in our church. All right? I will say that. It's a lot of our sisters and Steve. <laughs> and, and maybe a few others, 
But it is, it is most, it's, it's, almost a, it's almost a waste to have those people serve in a welcoming committee, you might think, because they could probably be doing so many other things for us in the church. But we've got a great welcoming committee, right? We've got a great welcoming committee. But the thing is, right, maybe you're thinking, oh, that's great. Okay, that's good. We've got a good welcoming committee, so they can do all the welcoming. They can do the greeting, right? They can introduce themselves to strangers and newcomers. They could do it, right, because I'm not good at that. I have a hard time saying hello, even to fellow members. I've been going to church with that guy across the pews for, like, years, and I have not said one word to this person. I'm not going to be a good welcoming committee person, so I'm glad we have it. So let them do it, and let me just do me. But notice this. This sermon can't be just about a welcoming committee because there is no welcoming committee in Paul's church. You know, oftentimes we're in a bubble. We we think about church because of what we've experienced and how our culture does it, and and this is the way we should do it. And so when you look for a church, you think, well, because of, you know, this is the way I did it in the past. This is the way this church got to do it, and this is the way we need to do it. Look, Paul didn't have any committees. He's addressing everyone. Everyone. To the most extroverted, to the most introverted, He's addressing everyone. So let me, let me let's dive into that just a little bit, okay? The difference here is gifted versus responsibility. Gifted versus responsibility. Just because you're not in the welcoming committee doesn't mean you don't have to be welcoming. Just like all of our ministries, mercy, fellowship, missions, anything else, you may not be gifted at it, right? You may not be gifted at it, but that doesn't mean all or nothing. It doesn't mean that there's no responsibility. I know some of us, at least a few of us, we are naturals at just welcoming. And by the way, whatever you think about the welcoming, uh, you know, I have talked to every newcomer, the visitor that came here on the first day, they've all told me the same thing. Our church is so welcoming. The only people that think our church is not as welcoming is the members. I don't know why, all right? Go, go figure. Maybe it's because you need to be more welcoming. I don't know, but that's what I hear. Regardless, some of us are very good at welcoming. You are a natural. There's no effort for you. It's, it's who you are. You've got a smile on your face. You love meeting new people. You are the friendly face. No matter where you go, you have a conversation with anyone you meet because you just talk a lot, right? And you engage, and you're outgoing, you're personal. You are naturally just gifted, right? But some of us, and probably many of us, You were born with an RBF. You know what that is, right? It's not that you don't want to be welcoming. You just don't look welcoming. I confess, many times that's me. I confess, right? It's interesting, during our service and the greeting time, when we say, hey, let's move around, let's walk around, let's greet each other, it's amazing how there are a few of us frozen, Right? Like, looking over here, don't say hi to me. Don't say hi to me. 
<laughs> you know, it, it, you know it, we're, we look constipated during welcoming time, some of us. Hey, that's okay. That's okay. I get it. It's fine. But it's just, I just want you to understand, it's easy just to say, well, I'm shy and I'm introverted, and so it's not my thing, so I just don't. But Paul here is in our passage, and he's not talking to a select few in the church. He's not talking just to the gifted. He's talking about responsibility. And so he's talking about everyone. You can't just shirk a responsibility. You might not be gifted in something, but sometimes there is a responsibility. I have met people in church who seem not so welcoming or friendly on a Sunday, but when I visit them in their home, Complete 180. They are so more welcoming, so much more talkative. And you know what the difference is? The difference is it's because they are in their home. It's, they're the owners. They're the hosts. And so they take on a different demeanor. And it's fitting, isn't it, in your own home, when you have guests, to be hospitable, to be welcoming. It's just proper etiquette. It's just good manners. I mean, it'd be a little weird, wouldn't it, if you have some guests over at your house and you act like the guest in your own home, right? That'd be a little strange. But let me ask you a question. Even though it's a little different, isn't this your church? Isn't this your church? It's not my church. It's not their church. It's our church. Do you have a responsibility in it? Do you have an ownership of the church? It's just fitting. It's just proper etiquette. It's just good manners to be a good host, to be hospitable, to welcome the guests who visit your church. And it would be weird, just like it is to act like a visitor in your own home, to always act like a visitor or a guest in your own church. And unfortunately, for some of us, even though you might be a member, we still do this. You've been around long enough. You've been around long enough to be a good host. At the very least, and even I can do this, we can welcome. Welcome. Welcome the guests. It can be as simple as that, okay? Simple as that. I hope we all understand that, okay? But when you look at Paul's verse here, uh, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you, right? I want you to see something. For Paul, welcoming is simple, but it's also deeper for Paul. What Paul seems to be saying in verse 7 is this. Even with something as simple as welcoming someone, if you understand the gospel of Jesus Christ, it changes. It even deepens the way you welcome. Because he doesn't just say, go say hello to someone you don't know. He says, welcome one another. How? As Jesus Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Right? He doesn't say, welcome any way you want, but he says, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Did you know? Jesus Christ welcomed you. And he is the greatest welcoming committee leader that ever lived. In what ways, then, has Jesus welcomed us? How does the fact that I've been welcomed by Jesus Christ enable me 
to welcome someone else? I think of at least four ways, okay? Four ways, really quickly. First, Jesus welcomed you into the family of God. Colossians chapter 2, you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, yet God made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. You know what he's saying? Every Christian here was once a non-Christian, dead in your sin. But God, being rich in mercy, lavish in grace, he says, made us alive together as Christ, and therefore has invited us into a fellowship with himself forever. What does this mean now for the ability of our welcoming? We're a small group, different personality types. Many of us are very colorful personalities. Some of us very, very opinionated. Uh, We have different approaches from different places, maybe even different values. We can be very different in many ways. But if Christ has welcomed you and us into his family, guess what? It means that we are more unified with others than we are different from them because we are members of God's family. We've been welcomed into his family, and that means when we welcome one another, we can welcome boldly. You know, I grew up, my parents, when they came to the States and they eventually started going to church, the very first kind of church that they went to, that I grew up with, was a Pentecostal, all right, Southern, white, Pentecostal Assembly of God kind of church. I don't know if you know that denomination, but the style, the worship, everything was very, very different. But one of the things I noticed as I left the church and went to a Presbyterian church is this. Everyone in a Pentecostal church that I went to, no matter what it was, during a greeting time, they referred to each other as brother or sister. It was, hey, Brother Zay. Hey, hey, Brother Grace, Sister Grace. Hey, Brother... And there was this affection just by using that word as a reminder that they were all part of the family of God. Even though we were the only Asians, they'd be like, hey, Brother Francis, right? Sister so-and-so. The distinctions that the world has that divided us, they don't divide us anymore, at least in the church, because we share the same foundation. We have relationships with people whom we may never have invested in previously, because now we are brother and sister in Christ, okay? Welcome boldly. We can welcome them boldly, all right? Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. How? Not just because we're a family and we can welcome boldly, but secondly, we've been welcomed by him into his mercy and grace. We can welcome not just boldly, but because we've been welcomed into his mercy and grace, guess what? We can welcome unconditionally. When he saved us, Christ didn't just... Give us what our sins deserved, Romans 8 says, but we're free from condemnation, free from judgment. More than this, he gave us more than we deserved. We've we've received mercy. He welcomed us with mercy. He spared us from our sins. He welcomed us with his grace. We got what we didn't deserve. And his mercy and grace are continuous. What does that mean, then, for our ability to welcome others? It means this. Whoever you see, The ground is level. I don't care how much money you make or don't make. I don't care how many degrees you've gotten under your belt. I don't care how successful you think you are. I don't care how bad you think you are. I don't care how how poor you think you are. When you come to church in Jesus Christ, we are all at the same level before the cross so that none of us can boast, Ephesians chapter 2. None of us have any ground no matter how right 
we think we are, how good we think we are. And therefore, when we greet one another unconditionally, unconditionally. Paul says, welcome one another as Jesus welcomed you. How did he welcome you? He welcomed you boldly. You're in my family. He welcomed you unconditionally, mercy and grace. Thirdly, he welcomed you generously. Generously. Look, generously, Ephesians chapter 1, Paul says, you've been blessed with, in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. What Paul's saying is this. You've got everything Jesus has. That's what Paul's saying. You've got everything God has. Everything because of what Jesus has done for you. All yours in Jesus Christ. What does that mean for our ability to welcome one another? Because we have all that we need in Jesus Christ, now you're free. You're free to be open-handed and generous with your stuff. You've got everything. Your bank account is full. Now you are free to uh, give your time or energy or gifts or resources or whatever you have. Because we know that the world is not our final home, we open up our earthly homes with hospitality, trusting that God will use the welcoming to grow Christians and invite new ones. Even when you feel weak and depleted and ill-equipped, you still, you've got the Spirit who will bear the fruit of the work that God gives us to do. And so we welcome generously. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you, boldly, unconditionally, generously, and lastly, we welcome one another with hope. Hope, right? Hope. What does that mean? You know, in the same letter, Romans chapter 5, Paul says, while you were still enemies of God, we were reconciled through the death of Jesus Christ. While you were still weak, at the right time, Jesus died for what? The ungodly. Romans 5, 8, God shows his love for us that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, while we were enemies, while we are ungodly, while we are sinners, while we are non-Christian, non-religious, he's talking about those kind of people that at some point, that's all of us, and yet even in that situation, Christ has welcomed us. He died for us. He didn't just welcome us boldly. He didn't just do it unconditionally, generously, but with hope. With the hope of the gospel, we welcome sinners. We welcome ungodly. We welcome even enemies of God in the hope that through your welcoming, through your fellowship and community, they too might see the gospel of Jesus Christ. Guys, this is so important. If you're going to pick and choose who you're going to say hi to, you don't want to say hello to this person because for whatever reason, you don't understand the gospel. If you're refusing to greet someone because you have a different political affiliation, a different view on a social issue, therefore you're not going to associate with that person, you don't understand the gospel. If you're not going to greet someone because you have a disagreement on how to raise kids, how to raise family, and you're not going to talk to that person anymore, you're, you do not understand the gospel. Even when you're an enemy, Christ died for you. Even enemies. So we welcome with hope. We welcome as Christ has welcomed us. 
We are invited to partake in the blessings of the gospel through faith and repentance. We welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. How? Boldly, unconditionally, generously, and with hope. Why? Because that's what Jesus did for us. That's what Christians are supposed to do. And that's what the church needs to do. Okay? Now, how do we do this? How do we do this? Let me be very honest. I do try to say hello and introduce myself to every person, every new visitor in the church. But I'm going to be very honest, because we're an honest church. There are some people that I've met, red, you know, red alert, right? There are some people I've met, they're like, okay, we're different. How am I going to do this and put a smile on my face? And the moment we start thinking this, you know what we do? I'm going to fake it. I'm going to fake it. Hey, how are you? Nice to meet you. Wow, that's great. Awesome. Where do you live? What do you do for a living? Oh, okay. You came out of jail. Hey, that's, that's all right. <laughs> you know? And we, 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 we think we're faking. Look, there's a fake way to do it. And there is a genuine way to do it, even when you don't feel it. How does that? How does that work? Listen to what Matthew says, what Jesus says. Uh, he's talking about the sheep and the goats, and Jesus says to the, the people, I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. That's what Jesus says to the disciples. And the disciples say, Jesus, when did we see you as a stranger? When did we welcome you? When did, when did we make, clothe you? When, you, when you? when were you naked? And the king answers, Truly I say to you, as you did it to the one of the least of my brothers, you did it to me. Here's the trick, not the trick, here's the method. There are people that we will have differences with. There are people that we're not comfortable with. There are people we just don't really know. And maybe that makes you uncomfortable. Where do I get the strength to actually approach someone and greet them genuinely? Where do I do that? And the way I do this is this. It's not being fake when you're trying to be a faithful Christian. And the way to be a faithful Christian is by being good to his people. And how do I be good to people who I think are not so good? I look at them the way Jesus looks at them. I look at them the way Jesus looks at them. Not the way I see them, the way God looks at them. I look at them, and I see what Jesus sees. I see Jesus. Jesus says, you've done it to the least of the, my brothers. You've done it to me. And so there you go. That is my motivation, because I've been saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because even though I might think I'm better than this person, God says, no, I'm not. And yet he has loved me, he has given me, he's welcomed me boldly, generously, mercifully, hopefully, and he's put someone in front of me where he says, here, I want you to say hello. And I look at this person, and I need to see what Jesus sees. And I need to see Jesus himself. I need to go and greet this person. And so let me ask you. It's not about how the welcoming committee is doing. It's also how are we as a church doing? How are we doing with that? I'm not asking you to evaluate the welcoming committee. I'm asking each and every one of us, how are we doing? 
Are we welcoming one another as Christ has welcomed you? So I challenge the church to continue to welcome. I challenge you to find your strength and grace, not in others, but in Jesus Christ himself. I challenge you to obey. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Let's pray. Thank you so much for your grace. We thank you so much for your mercy. Uh, Teach us again what it means uh, to be a community of Christ. In any other place in the world, uh, we know how people work. We know how communities and groups work. We pray that we don't just imitate and copy that, but we pray that we go against some of that. That you give us principles, you give us ideas, you give us thoughts, you give us a reality that changes the way we do things. That's contrary to the instincts of the world, our workplace, even in our own hearts. And so we ask for your grace and your strength and mercy to do this. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.